Yo, what up? It's your boy, the Mark Rob, aka Sean Mad Love, aka Gordon Darks, aka Four Eye Willie, coming at you with I guess this will qualify as our Halloween episode. <laughs> In this week's episode, we're continuing the horror slash thriller theme uh, for October. For this episode, Kat suggested that we watch some of her favorite horror flicks. Uh, it's going to include Cabin in the Woods, the Halloween sequel of 2018, and Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, and like I said, this is technically our Halloween episode, but next week we should be having another episode that's actually going to involve Wes Craven. So we're going to extend Halloween out a little bit for the uh, spookies and ghouls and goblins out there. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> Shit figures itself out. That's all I got. Yeah. You know, I got Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> Was that your first? Is this your first time seeing Cabin in the Woods? It is, yes. It oh is. my God. What did you think? I saw your like letterbox rating and all that, but what did you think? Don't take this lightly, boy. It wasn't all by your numbers. The fool nearly derailed the invocation with his insolence. The ancient ones see everything, and they will not be. I'm still on speakerphone, aren't I? <laughs> oh my god, Mordecai! I can't believe it, it did it again. Morty? What happened to that? So, the first time I saw anything about Cabin in the Woods, I, well, when I look at movies, I purposefully, now at least, I try not to read anything about it. I try to look at it like very blind. A lot of times it works, a lot of times it doesn't. I've heard like about Cabin in the Woods, like people who like horror, they put Cabin in the Woods as like, you know, one of the the best they have seen. But I've actually never heard anyone actually talk about it before. And I looked at the description and I only saw comedy horror. And so mm-hmm. I was very, very confused, and I didn't think it would be good at all. But I was very pleasantly surprised. It was a treat. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever experienced a horror movie like that before. I think, like, you know, kind of like Shaun of the Dead, stuff like that. Like, I think Shaun of the Dead is too purposefully funny in a, in a comedy sense. But Cabin mm-hmm. Woods is humorous, and they're making commentary on, on us, but... It's just something different about it. It's just something very kind of refreshing about it that I've, I kind of fuck with. Did you watch it when it first came out? I think I saw it for the first time in like, I want to say 2014. I'm pretty sure it was on Netflix. So I checked it out when it was streaming. And I was like, oh, this is like grown up Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yes. I fucks with this. So I watched this in the same week that I watched Scream. Ooh, what was that experience like? I definitely see where they like kind of hold hands and wave at each other. You know what I mean? I think that this movie could not exist without Scream. Yeah, I can kind of see And that. I love that for them, they're like, this cabin in the woods is a job. We've got murder to do. And like the mundanity of horror creation may just be my favorite thing. <laughs> I think I've said before on the podcast that I really would love to work in themed experience design someday. And there's definitely part of me that's like, this is what going to the offices would will be like. Yeah. You know, you just go down an elevator and surprise there's a ballerina with knife feet. But like <laughs> for that us, that's just it's Tuesday and we're already behind. There's only three bodies. We need two more. Like I said zombies, but you didn't say redneck zombie family. Like, <laughs> she was very upset about that i would have contested it as well so i, I get the vibes now I, I don't know if we've talked about joss whedon before on the podcast really we haven't really touched on mcu related things at all 
Well, he he has done more than that. Yeah, but that's where I know him from. So let me make sure I get his exact, like, what he did for the thing correct, because I know he was involved. I believe that he wrote, co-wrote it, and maybe executive produced it. For Cabin in the Woods? Yeah. He wrote it, and he was a second unit director on it. Yeah. I think that Drew Goddard somehow managed to sand all of the, like, fingerprints I don't like of Joss Whedon's off of this. (laughs) No, I'm serious, right? Joss Whedon tends to write really flat women. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I know Buffy the Vampire Slayer stands. I get it. But, like... Tell me the difference between the main character of this movie and Buffy. I'll wait. I'm here all night. Touche. Or uh, Zoe from Firefly. Tell me how the the friend, the blonde friend is different than like most of the other women. Like, I'll wait. I'm here. <laughs> but somehow the the efficacy and the thoughtfulness that Drew Goddard brings to his direction makes them feel like, even if they're still tropey characters... They're full tropey characters. Yeah. So, you know, the the black kid who has the mirror into the nerd girl's room. Jesse Williams, yeah. Yeah. There's, like, definitely a moment where I'm like, all right, like, he's going to be creepy and look at her. You know, because, like, she's hot. She's, yeah. um, I mean, titties, And he, yeah. he puts the tarp up and he tells her and they have a moment of bonding over that. And the kind of continual bonding that happens between these characters and the interpersonal moments that happens between these characters make every death kind of painful and sad while (laughs) still being this kind of romp, you know? Also, like, oh, Chris Hemsworth, what a man. Oh, that accent was... This was, I think, shot in 2009. Oh, really? Yeah, and it was on the shelf for like a full year finished. Well, that's before the Thor movies, though. Yeah, so this was filmed before Thor. He was not cast as Thor yet. Okay. And then this happened, and here we are. The other thing that I, I just really appreciate about this movie is like, they could have turned it into like Zombievers or like a horrible B movie. <laughs> but the creatures are scary. The murder unicorn is scary. (laughs) And there are hundreds of these characters that someone spent time making, paying attention to, giving them little backstories, little character moments, designing how they move. Yeah. The attention to detail in this movie is just off the chain. Yeah. Especially considering, like, I don't mean to, to dig... But, like, I don't think this movie had a huge budget. <laughs> no, nah, it was not jumping out the gym for the budget, I can kind of tell. It wasn't necessarily low budget, but you can kind of tell. It wasn't, like, high budget. Right, but the economy of storytelling that they are able to pull off. And also, like, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast. I like tight movies. I want them to be, like, a crisp 90 minutes or really justify that two hours. Right. And that's part of why I loved like Terminator 2 so much. Right. As I was like, oh shit, this justified it's two and a half hours really well. Yeah. And this movie is like 95 minutes. It's in, it's out. It manages to eke out all the storytelling it needs. It ekes out all the action that it needs. Bim, bam, boom. And then there's a great, I mean, the movie's been out almost 10 years. We can talk about the very end, right? Uh, yes. We can spoil Cabin in the Woods. Yes. And then it comes in with this fucking ending. I'm sorry I let you get attacked by a werewolf and then into the world. You were right. Humanity. It's time to give someone else a chance. That lines everything up, goes, what the fuck, and then it's over. It doesn't need to justify anything else. It doesn't need to answer any more questions. When I saw the ending, I immediately thought of our conversation with Kelly. Uh, Kellen. Wow, Kelly. Shout out to Kelly Conley. And when I asked you guys. That's our Sex in the City name. Kelly Conley. 
basically. But when I ask you guys, did they do the right thing or could you guys sacrifice your life to kill the thing? And you guys said yes. And in this movie, they do not sacrifice their lives. Yeah. The pothead was right. The pothead was absolutely right. I think watching this movie as a fairly young person is part of the reason why I was like, yeah, I would die to stop the thing. Because I had seen this movie and I had seen how it goes. Yeah. If they don't die to stop the thing. And in this case, I guess the elder gods, but still. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in this case... Let's say uh, Kelly Conley, he's the fool, and you, you're the virgin. <laughs> would you kill Kelly Conley to save the world? I would see if we couldn't make a suicide pact and go out <laughs> together. But if we couldn't, I'm sorry, my guy. Wow. And, and in this movie, one of the things that I really like about it is that the stakes are really obvious to the suits. Yeah. But as far as the kids are concerned, there's, like, no stakes except to survive, right? Yeah. And the Virgin can't snap out of it because she's just so survival mode. Yeah. You know, so situationally, I don't know that it's that easy. Me sitting here with my glasses on and being like, well, (laughs) cinema, like, is very different than, oh, my God, three of my friends just got murdered in front of me. You know, I've been pumped full of, like, pheromones, hormone, everything in the world. And, like, yeah. now I'm stuck here with objectively my least favorite of the five. <laughs> oh, he was your least telling... favorite? Wow. I mean, I'm pretty sure she's, he's her least favorite. Probably not by the very end, but at least going into it. Um, maybe. He I'll definitely seems out. like he was invited because he has the weed. I mean. Hey. hey. <laughs> Are we... Someone with a chronic pain disorder. Hey. <laughs> Shout to the chronic. <laughs> She's like, I survived, and it's with fucking him. And like, God, okay, but we're alive. Yeah. I kind of get why after all that, being like, no, you just need to justify why y'all are sick fucks. Because <laughs> like, to, to use a different movie example, have you seen Saw? The OG? Yeah. Yeah. Have you noticed that the next eight Saw movies are trying to justify why Saw happened? I only watched like two or three, but yeah, I get what you're putting down. I kind of get why that might be a little sus. (laughs) You know, and I kind of get why maybe she wouldn't believe that. I'm pretty sure she didn't believe in zombies before that night, so. Certainly not redneck zombie families. Certainly not, no. I love that they have a pool, like a pool going. They've gotten an in-office bet about I mean, what trap they're going to trigger first. It's so funny they disrespected maintenance for being dumb, but then maintenance always knows what's going to happen. They always know who's going to win. Yeah. I don't understand how you could really, like, maybe you don't like horror, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of really good storytelling in this movie. Yeah. I am not a big, like, mainstream comedy gal. But this is funny in a lot of ways. Yeah. This scratches my horror itch and my comedy itch at the same time without feeling like it's pandering to either of them. Yeah. It knows the rules of both. It knows where the overlaps are for both. And it's playing both sides of the table really well. Yeah. It's very evenly balanced. Yes. Yeah. I like, I don't know. I just, I'm really into it. I'm watching it right now, like, while we're talking, and I'm just... (laughs) What scene is on? They just got to the actual cabin. Oh, okay. And uh, the blonde is like, one spider, and I'm sleeping in the car. Like... Are you sure she wasn't worse than the shaggy-looking dude? I don't know if she's worse, but, like, she's, she's a different kind of, I would say, probably difficult to get along with. Probably. Like, I guess it depends. Like, would you rather be stuck with Daphne from Scooby-Doo or Shaggy? Like, because, like, again, not for nothing here, but they are clearly the Scooby-Doo gang and also their black friend. What what are the black friends supposed to be (laughs) Scooby-Doo? No. No. 
They're smarter than that? Okay. I think that. I think the black friend is probably like, you know how in most of the movies, like the Scooby-Doo movies, there's like friend in local town that they all inexplicably know and we just kind of go along with. Yeah. Or like when they go to Australia, it's the band The Hex Girls, which as an adult woman, I have realized made a much bigger impact on me as a child than I initially thought. Shout out to The Hex Girls. I'm goth now. They subvert what you kind of think of what a black character would be in a type of movie. Like, yeah, he's basically like the nerd who is not necessarily even smooth. He's like like a smooth talker. Like he doesn't have like all the game, but he is just enough to be like a regular Joe Schmo who's interested in a girl. Everyone in this movie is super sincere, but he's very earnest. Yeah, in a way that like. I feel is often reserved for the Chris Hemsworth type character once they realize what's going on. Yeah. And I, I really like that this gets, this character gets an opportunity to flex in that way that wouldn't necessarily always happen in, in a horror film, certainly. And apparently not even necessarily in a Joss Whedon film. <laughs> hey, Ray Fisher, I hear you. I see you. I've read your tweets and I believe you. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that as a working actor. Hold on, what the hell happened? I don't know, what happened? Oh, oh boy. So Ray Fisher, who plays Cyborg, yeah, just came out the gate swinging maybe like eight weeks ago when they announced the Snyder Cut and yeah. just came for Joss Whedon. Oh, really? And Jeff Johns. I was like, get your racist ass bullshit out of here. Like, fuck <laughs> your faces, fuck your moms, like whatever. And like, he just came for them. He said Joss Whedon's racist. Yeah, he said Joss Whedon's racist as shit. Ooh. Which, I'll be honest, is maybe not a controversial opinion. Oh, uh, it's not controversial. I just didn't, I wouldn't have guessed. Well, it's it's hard, right? Because, like, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, Firefly. Uh, the TV show? Yeah. Uh, no, but I only quasi know about it, but what happened with that? Well, Firefly has a very diverse cast, right? And I think... He maybe kind of got complacent and hid behind the see I made a show without a racist cast uh, thing. Kind of like he's like, I can't be a misogynist. I made Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, clearly I know women. Uh, yeah. And like, cool. Um, It's not the 90s anymore, Joss. And like feminism has evolved and maybe stop gaslighting your wife. And uh, did you know that women can be complete people if they can't or choose not to have babies? Age of Ultron? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we were coming for Josh Whedon this early. Holy shit. I didn't mean to, but it comes out of me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, shit. So earlier this month, Fisher tweeted that Whedon's treatment of the film's cast and crew was gross, abusive, unprofessional, and completely unacceptable. Oof. I mean, <laughs> I think we nailed the discount <laughs> so high and then so low, but well, that's, that's the thing that just shout out to Drew Goddard, like I said, for just sanding Joss Whedon's fingerprints off and leaving all those nice witty edges that yeah. often exist in a Joss Whedon piece without all of the other Joss Whedon gunk. His denial of the situation, his denial of the enabling of the situation was asinine. It was tone deaf and it was completely disrespectful to the situation. Did you read the, the follow-up statement where they were like, say whatever you want about Joss Whedon, just please leave Jeff Johns alone? And Ray Fisher was like, I will do no such thing. They were both awful. And I was like, come for Jeff Johns. Destroy every white nerd fanboy. Destroy them all. <laughs> Also, uh, hey, I try not to shit on the comic community and stuff. Hi, David Avalone. But like, if you think that somebody maybe has too much power in their comic organization and perhaps are starting to treat other people as lesser than them in a way that is not productive, probably follow your gut and stay away from them. Signed, a woman in the comic community. There you have it. There you go. You know, it's so funny in like 70s and 80s culture, we kind of grew up in the sense of the jocks and the popular kids having all the power and then the nerds were so helpless and couldn't do anything for themselves. 
now it's completely changed. Like, the nerds have completely run amok, and now they need to get checked. The issue is that I think the nerds have always been running amok. Just, it was in the back of comic shops, Mm. and now it's on the front page of the internet. Mm. I mean, because now nerd culture is... A, in large part a part of pop culture so all this shit's got to come to the surface somehow yeah i think there's a lot of really great nerdy excitable wonderful people out there and i see them and they're my people i think mark can attest to how excited i get about stuff and how much i just love things and that's what nerd culture is in a lot of ways and at the same time i think there needs to be a little more love in the nerd community just because i'm a fairly symmetrical woman doesn't mean that i haven't been bullied for liking what i like doesn't mean that i haven't been told i was different or bad or whatever and i certainly don't need that from people who like the same thing as me yeah also just to reiterate for the nerd boys in the back harley quinn appeared on batman the animated series before she ever appeared in a print comic if you would like to fight me about this, my driveway is open. It's not. Stay the fuck away, you COVID-having leeches. <laughs> Don't poison my co-host. What makes me want to get close to someone and snuggle? Fear. Salutations. I'm Melisset, and on a frightful fret with Melisset. I read classic horror stories combining audiobooks and audio drama into a podcast. Come away with me into the darkness and let me make your ears tingle with a sensation of terror. A Frightful Fret with Melisette. Available everywhere podcasts are and find us at ourfrightfulfret.net. Don't forget. Speaking of plenty of talented women out there, in the world we gotta talk about our homegirl jamie lee curtis i keep calling this a remake it's not a fucking remake it's it's a sequel basically 40 years later sequel slash soft reboot is the term the hollywood term yeah so we're talking about halloween and i asked you i think it was two weeks ago uh maybe even longer did Jamie Lee Curtis give a little bit too much over the top? After rewatching it, do you think she gave us a little too much or did she give it just right? She served PTSD, stewing in it realness. The boogeyman? All this hiding, all this preparation, it was for nothing. I mean, it took priority over your family. It cost you your family. If the way I raised your mother means that she hates me, but that she's prepared for the horrors of this world, then I can live with that. (laughs) She served trauma, Henny. And like, she knew that was what she was serving. Yeah. You see, here's what happened. Laurie Strode survived a brutal assault by an unknown assailant and survived by her wits. There was nothing for her. There was no mental health services offered. I think she went to school the next day. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think her parents were those Midwestern parents like, honey, you're okay. You got a little cut on your arm. Got a band-aid, you know, a couple stitches. Maybe she stayed home a day. But she went back to school and she was the freak. Because all she was was everybody looked at her. And nobody helped her. And so... All that happened was that she lost everything. She lost herself, she lost her friends, nobody was helping her. Everybody was saying, oh, just get on with your life. And of course that didn't happen. He served this character that she's now been playing for most of her life at the hard opposite end of the spectrum from when she was a screaming 17 year old. And thinking about it, right? I think that she gave an amazing performance. And I think that every other performance in that movie was calibrated so she would break out of each scene. I agree on both of those. I I think it's actually, if I'm looking at her filmography right now, I mean, shit, like it's it's like really up there. She was in Trading Spaces, which we talked or Trading Places, which we talked about. I feel like that's the first 
movie just looking at this list where she was like surprise i'm serious now oh, like i'm not just a scream queen oh yeah she's great in that yeah she's really great in that and she gives a great performance and then is the next one that i'm like thinking of she does like a fish called wanda she does like a lot of really good movies but then she also like keeps doing the halloween movies which well I, she, why wouldn't you is like well, my question right i can see her wanting to do h2o i think the funny thing is i don't think h2o is necessarily a bad premise but the other halloween movies were so bad even yeah. if you make a mediocre movie it's just going to stand out and i don't right. think it was that bad actually i think i only saw resurrection once and i think resurrection was probably like halfway decent but it probably wasn't in all honesty i i kind of feel like though if i'm a young actress right and i get in on the ground floor of what ends up being a huge franchise to steal a line from ghostbusters if there's a steady paycheck in it i'll believe in anything you say (laughs) you know yeah because being an actress is hard Yes, it is. You know, so if you can cash that check, yas, girl, cash it. Oh, right. I forgot she was in Christmas with the Cranks, the movie that made me, like, very seriously consider just quitting Christmas and joy. I mean, (laughs) I'm right behind you. (laughs) That movie is a mistake. I'm so glad she got a paycheck from it. But every time I remember she's in it, like, I, I know you can't, like, see me, but, like, my whole lower body just, like, clenched. Hilarious. It is so unpleasant. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Is this my window to talk about Scream Queens real quick? You can make your window whenever you want, girlfriend. Yes. All right. Surprise, it's a window. So, for those of you who are not weirdos like me, who were really into Glee when Glee was coming out, at some point... Right around 2015, Ryan Murphy of Glee and American Horror Story and Nip Tuck fame was like, what if I made a bridge between Glee and American Horror Story? Oh, wow. And this is a show called Scream Queens. It aired for two seasons. I only watched the first season, and the first season was kind of a complete story. So I didn't feel the need to watch the second season, but I'll probably check it out if I can, like find it somewhere and it takes place on a college campus with a couple of leftovers from glee but mostly new cast from american horror story or other places and jamie lee curtis is in it as the dean of a college that has a sorority problem and by a sorority problem i mean sorority sisters are getting murdered henny and jamie lee curtis's character is named dean kathy munch she literally just plays like pixie cut, angry Jamie Lee Curtis. Dean Munch, that nightgown is amazing. Thank you. A nighttime really is the only time it's socially acceptable to dress like a 19th century homesteader, which is my favorite style of dress. Good night. Good night. Oh, I almost forgot. I need to sleep with a white noise machine on. I hope that's okay. Go for it. She's over the sorority thing. 
because people are dying. She's no nonsense. She's not taking it. She steals the show. She, to, to coin a term, is munching on that scenery. For a show that is already like a mix of a high school melodrama, except on a college campus, and like a very real murder show. Yeah. She is just like the secret sauce. Like she just brings it from like an eight to a 12. <laughs> the show was not perfect. There were a lot of issues with it, but that first season, man. So uh, in essence, what is your favorite Jamie Lee vehicle? I honestly think that it might be the 2018 Halloween. Wow. I hope that the 2018 Halloween leads us to this kind of, if, if she wants it, a kind of secondary Jamie Lee Curtis renaissance, kind of like what Laura Dern is having now. Mm, Jamie's run has been a little bit longer, but not, I know what you're talking about. So what specifically about this new Halloween do you love so much? I really love that we get to see the opposite end of a scream queen. Because I feel like so rarely in horror do we get to see the actual horror. The man with the knife has been in prison this whole time. Right? Yeah. But because of her discovering all of her dead friends and taking care of these two little kids that one night, she has two failed marriages, she has a drinking problem, she has an estranged daughter. That's the horror of this movie. (laughs) And then we add in a guy with a knife who kills 17 people. Is it 17 bodies in this movie? Yeah, there's 17 bodies in this movie. That's a lot. And only after we add the man with the knife with the 17 bodies can her story progress. Because finally, like, Judy Greer has to believe her a little bit. And only then can that bonding really facilitate. Question. Shoot. Did Lori set Michael free? I think the doctor set Michael free, but I think Lori was happy it happened. Mm, I don't know. I think it was Lori. The way that the new doctor is like, I want to see him kill. Like, I... Like, Lori could have taken a shotgun and shot through the side of the bus. If she wanted to kill him, there are windows. If she wanted to kill him, there was a chain link fence between there and the bus. Yeah, but ponder this for a second. I think their obsession with Michael is, it's equal, but just on sort of different spectrums. And her is actually probably worse. Like, it's literally her 40 years of this sort of being immersed in this grief. Yeah, Yeah. it's, it's a watershed moment in her life. Like, and that's the tragic thing about trauma when it happens it manifests in ways that no one can really predict and it can bury some people and some people kind of make it through but Lori is kind of on that spectrum of like it didn't bury her but she channeled it in a way that was probably very unhealthy mm-hmm. and in this doctor he kind of did the same thing as well like he studied under Loomis and then that was kind of the I guess thing for his career of being obsessed with this patient and why he was so evil. And even when he's about to get killed, he's saying, just say something. Like, he's just obsessed with this guy, and, and it leads to his death. So I think, you can make the, I think you can make the argument either way. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? I don't think she did it. If the director came out and said, she did it, I would be like, okay. I think it's better they don't say it. Like, Yeah, I agree. Know, yeah. And I think that creates this really cool, weird space for it, you know? Yeah. I said in my review as a joke, though, uh, David Gordon Green really came out and said, fuck them podcasters. And like, nah, he did. He totally did. <laughs> it's all their fault. It is. I'm trying to figure out what world does this man live in where podcasters have three grand of petty cash? Not not on top of that does include the hotel, the airline fees, none of that. Like, this got 3K to blow. Cereal. They got He's money. clearly making a commentary on like NPR, like sponsored podcasting. Perhaps like Pod Save America would be another one that he's probably making a commentary on. In the movie, they called it Public Radio Expose. I just wanted to barf all over myself. That was barfalicious, yeah. 
who's giving three racks to podcasters? I mean, let us know. <laughs> let's, let's, yeah, honestly, hi. I'd love to get my roots touched up before the country shuts down again. If you got three G's in petty cash, hey. Hey, I mean, hell, we'll, we'll take half and split it. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> you got $10, that'll do. I'm a very flexible man. I was going to say, that's like another tell for obsession also like the podcaster he's obsessed too with michael which yeah. i don't necessarily understand true crime boom like i i was never someone i am never someone who was kind of obsessed with like the way murderers think in that kind of way like motherfuckers crazy think, like i think it's because there's a lot of white suburban boredom eh, could be could be I know that like kind of pigeonholes a lot of people. Also, hi, before I get into this, I'm not a professional. I'm a 23-year-old with a psychology degree, but it's like a bachelor's degree. It's fine, like whatever. Anyway, so I think it's like a lot of people who have like experienced some sort of trauma in their lifetime or know somebody who's experienced some kind of trauma in their lifetime and is trying to figure out how did we get here. Hmm. Or... It's a lot of people that are like, I've never experienced a trauma. What is a trauma and how do we get there? Because like, it's, it doesn't seem real to them. So there's either the people that are trying to make sense of the very real thing that happened to them. And the way that they do that is like, remember that guy who said his name was Pazuzu? Like, or it's like, I've never heard of this happening before. How did we get Ted Bundy? I've legit never been fascinated by that. I never never have been so halloween sounds like from our last conversation till now better than the original yeah but only a little bit i think i gave the original three and a half stars yeah and i gave the new one four yeah so the thing that i didn't like about the original realistically is i felt that after a certain point him just like looking through the windows while atmospheric was not adding anything new And there's just a little too much of that for me. The thing that I like about this one, he's a friggin' super predator. He kills like 17 people in a day and a half. Not even. Shit is it's it's a full day. Yeah. 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 So he kills 70 people in a day. Like it ain't shit. He is clearly still very obsessed with Lori, but his lurking in this feels real. Yeah. I like it a lot better when he's not the center of the narrative quite as much as he is in the original because it lets the other character moments shine and it lets his inhumanness in the face of their humanity really shine. He really only has like one clear out the paint moment and that's when he puts on the mask. Yeah. And like I watched this video essay and it made me kind of upset because they were like, it seems like like under the mask he's like just an old man and that like really takes away like the fear. I was like that old man killed 17 people first of all. Like who yeah. the fuck are you? And second of all, he has been in prison for 40 years saying nothing, doing nothing, just waiting for the opportunity to kill again. How is that not scarier than like like a supernatural bullshit? Like imagine if someone has been waiting for 40 years, dreaming of how they were going to murder you. Yeah. That's terrifying. And not just murder you. Murder people in your town. Murder your extended family. Murder your extended family's friends. Uh, also, just shout out to the kid who's like the annoying high school friend. The chubby one? Yeah. Oh. He is... Yes, he's annoying, right? But he is like the perfect annoying high school friend. He really hits it super well, I think, without going overboard. We've all had a friend like that before, yeah. Right, but he's not so obnoxious. But at the same time, when he like tries to smooch her, you're like, uh, uh, okay, yeah, okay. And she's like not having it, and he gets really upset and is like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, I misread it. I'm so sorry. Oh, God, oh, God. Like, you actually kind of feel a little like, oh, like he's not malicious. He's an idiot, but like he still shouldn't have done that. But like, he's an idiot. He's not necessarily evil. And then he's like, Hey, Mr. Thompson, I'm sorry. I'm sitting on your lawn. I just, I tried to take a shortcut with a pretty girl. And yeah, 
And like that whole moment is so good. <laughs> and then he just gets brutally murdered. Oh, and I love it so much. Jeez. And I think that because there are more moments like that that I was actually able to latch on to in this one than I feel there are in the original one. Yeah. Because like with the exception of the the friend of Jamie Lee Curtis's in the original who tries to set her up. Even yeah, then, he's, she's trying to set her up without her consent, really. And she asks her not to. And she makes such a big deal out of it. And I'm like, just let her be shy. Fuck. What's cool about her friends who die? Like, they have sex and are very selfish. I mean, this sounds like a lot of teenagers. <laughs> right. But, like, that does not for interesting victims make. The eight-year-old boy that's like, Dad, you know I love going into the woods with you, but, like, I love dance class because, like, dance is my thing right now. Yeah. Why do I care more about him than I do about anyone in the original Halloween except Laurie? I think this movie, though, it does benefit from hindsight, though. Not only does it pull from a lot of the other movies and it kind of builds upon, but then you also you have, you know, interesting and funny writers actually working on mm-hmm. the script fucking um danny mcbride like if you have danny mcbride working on a project you know you're going to get that kind of intelligent funny smart ass comic like the black kid he's danny mcbride but like like kwame mcbride basically right and so i think it it benefits in that kind of way from having great writers and yeah like in the original movie other than kind of Loria, there's no real like character development to kind of actually want to root for the character surviving or not i don't know because i gave this one when i originally watched it about a three and a half and Mm -hmm. i still kind of feel that way also i mean yeah i do agree there's characters to like and to root for some of them kind of weren't i I feel like Lori's daughter was kind of it was kind of a shit that she didn't believe anything her mother said and then even though she'd gone through you know all the training and stuff when it came down to it until she saw the shape like she didn't believe him which kind of sucks i also think though that like she coped how she had to cope to survive she got taken away from her mom when she was 12 isn't it easier to just blame the person you can see yeah because for me right i was like she blames her mom because her mom in your 12 year old mind is the one who left is the one who didn't fight for you yeah so no wonder she would be hesitant inviting her back into her life especially because and i didn't realize this until this most recent time through judy greer is coded as a therapist is she yeah yeah, at one point she says, like, oh, I, I canceled my last client. And then at a different time, she starts using a bunch of jargon when she's talking to her mom. She's like, let's let's take a walk outside and let's reset. Let's reset the interaction. And that's very, like, therapist language. You know, and at one point she's like, that's your trauma that you projected onto me. Like, that's therapist language. And realizing that, like, oh, she had to, like, totally compartmentalize her own mama trauma to be a therapist and i don't disagree with you about your your point about the hindsight by the way i think you're exactly spot on but at the same time i feel like there's no reason we can't revel in that we learned some things we made some new things that kid saying oh shit when michael myers comes (laughs) out i was screaming laughing but also i was like i don't want him to die you know the funny thing is so this new movie has more kills has better kills it has funnier characters it has a better performance than jamie lee curtis but this literally virtually almost everything technically is probably better in this movie than the original yeah but i don't know man i still ride for the original i still ride for it but everything I, you're saying i, wonder, though, I, I think it's i right. wonder if i would be different if i had seen the original first yeah i mean I've... But I didn't, and I haven't, and like I know reintroduction Michael Myers first. I would say it probably, but but again, like like I said, technically speaking, if you do a, like a the chart comparing both movies, this movie does almost everything better. But Halloween was a movie I the original Halloween I saw it like two decades before this new one so it it, it kind of lives in your mind a bit longer kind of festers there everything's kind of the standard to it and then now you have the new one where it's kind of like just something about the soul of it is just kind of 
is yeah. kind of there. And and then also someone that grew up on all the other shitty movies and then this one comes along and then obliterates all those movies and now it's like well it, it's funny this movie uses like a ton of shit from the other movies but then yet it deletes all the other movies in its own existence mm-hmm. so it's kind of this weird kind of thing like even the, the the bathroom stall kill that's from h2o some of the masks from halloween 3 appear on like some of the trick-or-treaters i don't know i really like it i think it's really good I acknowledge that it is built on the shoulders of its fallen brothers. <laughs> the piles of dead bodies before it. <laughs> yeah, but like those movies don't cease to be just because this one went bitch, it's the timeline now. And also, just to be clear, in my rating, a three and a half is still a very good movie. No, I yeah. bought myself a nice Halloween lunchbox and a Halloween thermos. It comes with a little cup. I'm into the aesthetics of these movies. I'm into the vibes. Yeah, because I don't think I said it, but yeah, I think this is probably the best performance of her career. If you look at the actual movies, like the total movies itself that she's been a part of, I would say for me, it's probably in top five, I would say Knives Out. OG Halloween, New Halloween, True Lies, and then Trading Places. True Lies is, oh my God, it's an amazing yeah. action movie. I love True Lies. Oh, did you ever see True Lies? Uh, no, but one of my friends described it as a an action film about a man's fear of being cucked. Uh, and I think about Oof. that a lot. Oof. It, it's, hey, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying your friend is incorrect. I'm just saying, God damn, that was a hell of an observation. It's uh, it's it's pretty. It's I don't know if it's a bullseye, but it may be the red ring out, the yellow ring outside of the bullseye. As I just do a Chris Evans like chest grab laugh. Oh my god! But like in her, her. Oh my god! There's just one scene that she's in with the black dress. Oh my god! Hi listeners, I'm Eric. And I'm Casey. And we intentionally wanted to interrupt the show you're currently listening to to tell you that we are the host of the newest hyphen podcast group show called Shit, Not Another Podcast. Um, that's not exactly the right title, Casey. See, it's Shit, Not Another Music Podcast. You forgot you forgot the music part. Oh, you're right. Oh shit, not another music podcast. Um, maybe not exactly oh shit. All right, all right. Oh, shit, son. Not another music podcast. Def, definitely, definitely not it. Our show, Shit, Not Another Music Podcast, isn't just another music podcast, though. We review new albums, take deep dives down artists' catalogs, let you know what we're hearing, and just talk the latest in music news and much more. Yeah, that's right. So make sure you catch Holy Shit, Not Another Music Podcast every other Monday on your go-to podcast platform. Damn it. Okay. And hopefully, if you like us, you'll hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with more of our show. (laughs) Fuck, Not Another Music Podcast. God damn it, Casey. To round out this Halloween special, you selected a third movie for us to look at today. Yeah. Creature from the Black Lagoon. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. Tell me, girlfriend, why do you love this movie so much? Okay. So there's a couple reasons that I really like this movie. But I'm going to start kind of with the esoteric and I'm going to work my way up. So one of the things that I really love about this movie is I love that it turns a body of water. It turns the Amazon into a gothic horror environment. Yeah. You know, I think when, when we think of gothic horror, right, we think of Frankenstein, Dracula. We think of castles. We think of dark middle europe you know we think of that kind of like yeah okay like that's it's a trope of gothic horror but it's not what gothic horror is yeah and i think having an opportunity to to 
change the environment of that is really powerful in a lot of ways that maybe you don't even realize until you're kind of watching it that like oh this is like very similar to x y and z yeah i also really like the cast of characters uh i know like there's really only three that actually matter but or four if you count the creature but between those three there's a lot of ideological dissonance yeah i like that it's basically beauty and the beast (laughs) was this the first movie to actually have the trope of white guy that's the blonde equals bad i'm not sure but it's definitely like pretty up there i also like that like first of all the woman is a doctor we love to see a female doctor in the 50s (laughs) and i mean okay sure she's also hot but it was the 50s, all right? We, we got a woman doctor on an Amazon exposition. We did great. <laughs> I feel like the world that it creates, where it's equal, like it's the Amazon, so it's isolated, but it's also like the world. It's a thing that I think John Carpenter's The Thing does really well as well, where it's like, we are in this isolated space, but also I am thinking about the implications of this if it hits the world. Yeah creates this whole sub tension that whether or not was meant to exist i think is really good and obviously like this is a universal monster movie your mileage may vary you know (laughs) yeah i think like the bride of frankenstein realistically is a better movie but i also think that creature gets shrifted a lot Uh, i also think it's a beautiful creature design keep in mind in the 50s a man had to swim in that (laughs) and the gills effect when he was on land breathing is pretty cool yeah and also this was actually designed by a woman i know in the credits of the film it says that it was designed by bud westmore but it was actually designed by a woman named millicent patrick and if you like film history uh, i super recommend mallory o'meara's book about millicent patrick called the lady from the black lagoon she also hosts the reading glasses podcast she's pretty cool but for me i remember i think i had seen part of the movie but reading her book totally like revitalized my interest in him yeah and in the movie but mostly in like actually creature and getting to watch it with a couple friends because i did an outdoor screener for this was really special (laughs) because a lot of them had never seen it before yeah it's it's an old one it's classic so, like, they know what Boris Karlov's Frankenstein looks like, you yeah. know, or Bela Lugosi's Dracula. But when it panned up for the first time and you saw his face, <laughs> people gasped. And oh, I was shit. like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Right? Yeah. So I think that there's something really special about just changing the medium, you know? If this were a movie in a castle, I know exactly what he'd look like. Yeah. But because it's in the Amazon, because there's a lot of weird homoerotic tension, because there's all this stuff happening. Oh, you tell me. You tell me that the blonde and the brunette are not like. I mean. (laughs) Like, there's a lot of like, my eyebrows, viewers, but they are elevating. Mark is definitely jealous of the girl, so. Oh, my God. Kay. And I mean this with all the love and care in the world. I am fairly certain that Kay is why I have, like, terrible self-image. Oh. Because she's so perfect. And she's intelligent. And she has nine different hairstyles in the course of a 90-minute movie. <laughs> and she always looks perfect. She has seven, eight, 11 outfits. And I, I could never do that. And be a doctor. I mean, we'll get you there. Don't worry. We'll get the outfits in rotation. I'll never, I'll never be a hot theologist like Kay. Hey, don't worry. Well, University of Phoenix is, <laughs> is right there. My doctorate, yeah. <laughs> I think the movie was exceptionally made. I think it was very, very well done. The, the fucking um, the boat captain. I'm I'm fairly certain I was probably a white man playing playing someone South American. Probably. Yeah. But I honestly don't know, so I can't confirm that. Yeah. Oh, she's so perfect. 
it's funny this movie kind of works as an allegory for how a little bit about how kind of racism works yeah where it's like okay we're gonna go to this foreign land with these quote-unquote exotic beings and we're gonna we're gonna take them and mine them out for our like our study our amusement i'm gonna kill it <laughs> yes oh yeah we're not gonna respect this being we're just gonna kill it because well, we want that's to the, that's the thing right like that's why brunette guy in the increasingly shorter swim trunks is like kind of dreamy right at least according to the movie is he's like i just want to get a good picture of it and then i'll leave it alone forever yeah. but i want to know what i'm seeing yeah and the other guy is like i want to upholster a chair with him blonde white guys man it's crazy. And then Kay is like, I really wish at least one of them was as into me as they were into each other. And then Creature's like, hey, girl. And she's like, this will do. <laughs> also, the Creature, we don't know any of the Creature's motivations. But for whatever reason, he's murdering the men. And then he's capturing the woman. Like, <laughs> that's I think a it's because sexual he, thing. <laughs> I think it's because he sees that the men are violent. Maybe. It's almost like all of them have uh like large uh spear guns, for instance. <laughs> they have large phallic symbols that they like to shoot at people they don't know or understand. Yeah. That shit was so big for no reason. <laughs> there was a reason. Well, touche, there was a reason. Just from a technical level, considering when this film came out, it's a marvel. Especially because it was also released in 3D. Holy shit, I didn't know that. Surprise! Additionally, this film's kind of feminist as hell in a lot of ways. Not in all of the ways. There are a lot of moments where Kay's butt gets touched by the men that she doesn't want touching her butt. It's not what you but want. she's a doctor, she's on the expedition... Which, for the 50s? Hello. (laughs) Additionally, there's a lot of beautiful otherness narrative that exists in this. Kind of extrapolate that a bit more. Yeah, so whether it's the creature who really seems to just want to be left alone, because seeing that he is neither human enough to be human nor fish enough to be fish is upsetting to him. Yeah. Or... If it's Brunette Swim Trunks over there, who I know has a name, but I can't remember it, (laughs) who just wants to be like a good scientist. He wants to be a good creature to this creature. You know, he wants to just get a good look at him and leave him alone. And that's perceived as weak. Yeah, David. Or even Kay, who wants to be on this expedition and do things and is being told that she can't. One of the uniting themes of this movie is everybody's otherness, you know, and maybe Kay likes the brunette because he treats her seriously as a person. Yeah. You know, and maybe he listens to Kay because they have the same ethics. It's not just about her being pretty. Yeah. David treats her very much like an equal. Yeah. And sure, they're dating, and that's probably like some sort of weird OSHA violation or whatever, but. Mark wants to own I hope you're as afraid for him or for me as you are for him, Kay. Like it's an ownership thing. Yeah. At the end of the day, the beauty and the beast story is not between like Kay and the beast, right? It's about an ideological thing. And it's about do you want to be a good citizen of the world and do you want to look at and appreciate different types of beauty? Or do you want to be an owner and a taker? Yeah. And I think that's a a message that is still disturbingly very poignant. How did you get into this movie, by the way? I don't think you ever told me. So the short version is I honestly don't remember. Um, (laughs) The medium version (laughs) is that I remember seeing like young Frankenstein and then that chased with Frankenstein and then Bride of Frankenstein and just kind of being casually interested in the universal monster movies okay and then i was like oh there's like this fish man okay weird (laughs) and then as time went on i just discovered like kind of like how i got really into dune by getting into like the weird minutiae of dune yeah i discovered that there's like this weird cult following for creature from the black lagoon 
Okay. And I was like, I do love movies with cult followings. Maybe I should like <laughs> revisit this. Then I read the book and it was just like everything just clicked on, clicked on, clicked on, clicked. Okay. And I was like, okay, like this has always been the movie that I thought it was and the movie that I felt a connection to. Like I really feel a connection with Bride of Frankenstein for a couple of different reasons, but I'll send you a really cool video essay about it if you want. Um, <laughs> because that is also a story about otherness and connection. And like, I don't want to be like, oh, this movie ends on a positive note because it doesn't really but like <laughs> no, there my, is a my people got killed like <laughs> well yeah but also there's a sequel and the creature is still alive there is i would say Kay and david survive and all they want is to go home i mean isn't that the story of america in 2020 i just want to survive to go home <laughs> and that's it right like the end of frankenstein is what have i done i need to destroy what i've made yeah. The end of Bride of Frankenstein is Frankenstein in a suicidal despair, realizing that the woman that was made to love him, who has only been alive 10 minutes, may never love him. So he's going to kill them both. <laughs> and like this movie ends with our two main characters intact and in love and the creature subdued, but not dead. And just back in his environment, not in a lab, not in a cage. It's the best possible bittersweet ending, right? Yeah. Like, sure, a bunch of people died, but a lot of them were assholes. All told, I think this is the best way it could have ended for them. Yeah. And that's so uncommon in a horror movie. I think hope is a very effective weapon in a horror movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think this may be one of the first movies that knows how to use it properly. And I hope that the bleak hope that exists at the end of this movie is something that people are open to. So this entire month, we've been doing horror and thriller movies. So of the movies that we've covered this month, what would you say is your favorite? So just a rundown. So we've covered Beetlejuice, Mars Attacks, Edward Scissorhands, OG Halloween, remake Halloween, well, sequel Halloween, The Thing, Big Trouble Little China, and you watch Scream, and we're going to cover Scream next week. Of those, so we don't have to talk about the election. <laughs> well, that's going to be a shit show right there. But uh, so what would you say of this month? And also, we, we did cover Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, Coraline, and James and John Peach, which I'm going to assume that's last place for both of us. But what would you say is the best movie that we've covered this month? So in terms of the best? Well, I guess your favorite. Your favorite. Okay. So my favorite, I think, still has to go to The Thing. Ooh, that's tough. That's a tough movie. That's now, a- that said... Creature from the Black Lagoon is always going to be, like, just a fave. Yeah. Like, my my fave, right? Like, I, I think it's wonderful. Like, I think the iconography of that movie is great. Yeah. There's a lot about Creature that I really, really love. Some unexpected faves, I guess. I really loved Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm really glad that movie's not problematic. I'm so Me, glad. Me too. I'm, like... I was anxious about watching it because I was super concerned it was going to be problematic. I would also say that, honestly, Mars Attacks gets, like, an honorable mention for being, like, significantly more fun than I anticipated. Oh, yeah. It was was a sleeper. Definitely a sleeper. I think James and Giants Peach may be the worst movie we've ever covered on this podcast. Uh, It's it's at the bottom. It's got to be at the bottom. I think She Dies Tomorrow might have it for me. Uh, I don't mean to be mean. I really don't. I really just wish that they had had like one more song besides that like operatic piece she swans around to that's also used in Watchmen. Oh, what about our, what about the classic when Charlie Theron had no eyebrows when she was a murderer? Oh, I don't think that was bad. Oh, monster. Yes. It was I'm... unpleasant. <laughs> It, it has to be the most unpleasant movie we watch. Oh, that is easily the most unpleasant. Yeah. I don't think it is as bad as She Dies Tomorrow. Oh, She Dies Remember Tomorrow. Trying to watch it. That was an art house stinker. Are yeah. we Because of that, are we going to do art house? Because art house is really... 
I don't know how people can talk about our house. Like our I think house we're is... gonna have to have an extensive vetting process if we're gonna be talking about art house movies going forward. You know what? I'm I'm actually coming around to you guys. I think the thing is probably the best movie of everything we cover this month. I think Creature is really good. Is really good because it's super foundational. Yeah. I think a lot of what we love wouldn't exist without it. I also think just because I had never seen it, I really liked a lot of the Edward Scissorhands beats. Edward was cool. I don't know that I ever want to watch it again because I feel like I've got it now. Yeah. But it was a pleasant surprise for me. It was cool. Tim Burton is great at movies about Tim Burton stand-ins. Ooh. Ooh. We kind of alluded to that, but that's a that's a good that's a good synopsis, boy. I tell you that. Cause Edward, Batman, Lydia, even the kind of the Maitlands, they're like very normal, but like in their community, they're still kind of outsiders because they're not like super swayed by money. Yeah. The stable boy in Dumbo, that's <laughs> Colin Farrell for some reason. Every movie I was looking at, I was like, oh, this is about Tim Burton. The kid in Frank and Weenie. Who, like, no one understands or knows what to do. Like, every movie is about Tim Burton. Sleepy Hollow, Ichabod Crane, Awkward, Weird, Inexplicably Hot Girlfriend. Great. <laughs> I'm going to watch Ed Wood one day. Oh, I am unrepentantly fond of Ed Wood, despite knowing it's bad. Hold on, you seen it? Most of it. Why don't you, why don't you tell me? Uh, I don't know. I didn't know I, how I sound, to be like, I've I, seen most of Ed Wood. It was my, mostly good. My tone was very disappointed in you, and I'm really not sure why. <laughs> I apologize for that. I, I legit sounded like a disappointed dad just now. God damn. <laughs> I wanted to go to the dance too, Kat. Why didn't you take me? I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. disappointed. I thought we raised you better. <sighs> so you cheated on the test line, Kat. Um, I understand. I'm not mad. Just disappointed. Follow Cat at Cat underscore Chinetti on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Follow Marcus at Showin' Mad Love. S H O W I N M A D L O V on Twitter and Instagram. Follow the show on Twitter at Cat and Mark. And join our We Should Do This Again Sometime Facebook group. Read us at catsiesmovies.tumblr.com and the Mark Rob T H E M A R C R O B dot WordPress dot com. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenley. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained? Ha 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 